Good morning. Glad to see you. Glad you could join us. My name is Bill, and I love survival stories. You know those stories? People get stranded on a mountain. People get stranded at sea. I love listening to a survival story because I think deep in all of us, there's a heart of a survivor that's stranded, looking for any chance of hope. One of the best survival stories I've read recently was from a guy from Salvador off of the coast of Mexico. His name was Jose Alvarenga, and Jose was fishing with a buddy of his, and they were just off the coast of Mexico. They were deep sea fishing, and they were going to go for a whole weekend out fishing. And what started as a weekend trip soon was quickly, <laughs> quickly shaped and changed because they found themselves blown out to sea. They were trying hard, the little engine of their boat trying hard to get back to land, but very quickly they saw land just disappear, and they were stuck, stranded. What started as just a mundane exercise ended in a tragedy. You see, when they were blown out to sea, the engine didn't work, and they ran out of fresh water, they ran out of food, and then they ran out of hope. What started as just a weekend ended up with over 438 days at sea before Jose was rescued, and his friends didn't make it. You see, when Jose was on the boat, he would wake up, and some days it was a tumultuous sea, and he was just clinging on for dear life, and most of the time, the sea was just completely flat, and all he could see everywhere he looked was water, and he was holding on tightly to his own sanity. Set adrift in a sea, he found himself stranded and alone. In interviews with him, he says that one of the solid things that he could count on was his faith in God. Do you ever feel like you're stranded adrift in the sea of life? Where life, the mundane in and out of everyday life, is all of a sudden shifted by some tragic news or an inner turmoil or circumstances beyond your control, and you are cast out adrift alone. Maybe you've had a really close friend nearby you while you've been here in Dubai, and that friend has just told you that they're leaving, and you find yourself alone again, adrift in the sea of loneliness. Maybe you're at the doctor's office, and you hear news of a loved one or yourself that it might be cancer, and you find yourself adrift in the sea of questions and wondering about the future. Perhaps you've searched everywhere you possibly can for more provision or a job, and everywhere you search, you're faced with a no, and you're set adrift in a sea of discouragement and disappointment. Maybe the struggle for you is on the inside, though. Maybe everything looks just great on the outside, but inwardly, 
You're struggling in the tumultuous seas of anxiety or the dark despair of depression or you're facing the mundane flatness of life in a midlife crisis searching for meaning. Whatever it is. Do you ever have that season in life where God feels far? Where you cry out and you say, God, are you even there anymore? Maybe the struggle is so profound that we have a hard time admitting it to ourselves, let alone to others. We're going to talk today about when God feels far. Jesus gathers his closest friends together in the book of John, and he gathers his closest friends, and he tells them that he is leaving. And they're like, Jesus, you're leaving? (laughs) The very man we gave up everything to follow, and now you're going to leave us? And they start panicking. Cast out into a sea of loneliness and unknowns, they feel terror at the idea that Jesus would leave them. We're going to see today a comforting promise from Jesus. This one comforting promise that will soothe our hearts, that will unwind our anxious lives, that will settle us in renewed trust. We're going to see this one comforting promise And we're also going to see two required recognitions. Those required recognitions, uh, they're required because they kind of unlock the promise. Jesus makes a promise that will blow your mind. And then we have to understand there's, there's really two recognitions within that promise. We don't want that promise to lay dormant, so you'll definitely want to listen to those. But here's the comforting promise. And imagine if you, if you find yourself, do you ever, are you like that or am I the only one where sometimes God feels far? Do you ever feel that way? Well, here's the, here's the promise. Now, before we get to the promise, you might want to stretch out for this one, okay? You stretch out. Oh, well, you can't really stretch like that. Just stretch like this, okay? Because I know you're tight. Stretch out. Stretch out your jaw because it's about to hit the floor. <laughs> All right, here is the comforting promise in John 14. Jesus says, whatever you ask, I will do. That's amazing. Think about that promise for a second. Whatever you ask, I will do. That's a profound promise. And if you feel alone, Woo! If you feel stranded, oh, man, whatever you ask, I will do. let's, Let's read what Jesus says in John 14. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he is about to drop a truth bomb. He's like, this is legit, you guys, listen up. Okay, whoever believes in me. Do you believe in Jesus? Okay, this is for you too. Online, do you believe in Jesus? Yep, it's for you too. If you believe in Jesus, this promise is for you. Listen up. Man, I told you this is good. Whatever, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Really? No, no, it says, and greater works. What? Jesus, the works that Jesus did, Jesus, Jesus, greater works than Jesus, Jesus, the one that gave sight to the blind, 
Jesus, the one that raised people from the dead. Jesus, the one who gave, gave hearing to the deaf. Jesus, the one that made the lame walk. We will do greater works than that? Do you believe it? Do you believe greater works than Jesus? Than these, because I am going to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. It's right there in black and white or blue and white. <laughs> but it's there, whatever you ask, I will do. This promise is so profound that we will do greater works than Jesus. What is he meaning? This is an amazing promise. This is so comforting. He says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Do you believe it? Amen. Have you asked for a Ferrari? <laughs> what is Jesus talking about when he says, greater things you will do if you ask for it in my name? Well, we have to unpack that a little bit. Greater things, when Jesus says you will do greater things, it's not like you're going to raise someone from the dead six days after they die instead of three days after they die. Or you're going to turn water into like really, really good wine. Or, or you're going to give somebody, not just heal them from being deaf, but give them supersonic hearing. Or no, Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be better than me. We have to read it in context. In all the book of John, John chapter 2 through chapter 12, Jesus has been doing miraculous sign after sign after sign. He's been doing all these miracles to prove to everybody who's asking the question, who is Jesus? And he's proving to them through all these signs that he indeed is God's promised Messiah. That he indeed is the only life raft that the world will have to a restored relationship with their creator. That Jesus' truth is about to be unlocked and unleashed on the world through his death and resurrection. When Jesus says, you'll do greater things than me, he's talking about that the, they will be doing, they will be living out this profound truth of God's chosen savior, of God's promised one that will die for the sins of the world, provide the deepest healing, provide the only way of rescue, and will provide the only hope of humanity that God will always be with humanity. Jesus is about to die and come back to life. So when Jesus says you will do things greater than me, he's saying uh, that you will be doing things greater in longer duration. Jesus did ministry for about three years. It, it will extend beyond throughout all of his followers. Whoever believes in him will be able to share this good news of God on his amazing rescue mission. It will continue longer in duration and scope. That, that more and more and more and more people will hear this life-changing news of Jesus. That's what Jesus means by you will do greater things. That the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus will be unleashed on the world. He says, whatever you ask in my name. Does that mean that you ask in Jesus' name for a Ferrari? Like, Jesus, I, I really want a Ferrari. In Jesus' name, I want a Ferrari. Is that what it means? 
No, not really. In Jesus' name, it isn't just a way to punctuate what we really want. <laughs> it's not just the, the right loose change that we can plug into the divine vending machine in the sky and then out pops what we want. <laughs> no, to pray in Jesus' name means two things. One, when we pray in Jesus' name, the only way that you can have a conversation and that I can have a conversation with the creator and sustainer of the world is because of Jesus, because of his death and resurrection. Otherwise, our sin separates us from God. There's nothing we can do that's good enough to be able to be holy and perfect and talk to God. And so it's because of Jesus' death and resurrection. So we actually come to the Father in prayer. When we pray in Jesus' name, it's because that's the only way that we can come and have a conversation is because of Jesus. The second thing that it means is that we, we pray in Jesus' name, which means we pray like Jesus would pray. We align with Jesus' will. We, we pray the things that Jesus would pray. When we pray in his name, we pray about the things, we ask about the things, we ask God to do the things that Jesus would be about, that Jesus would do. We may say, well, let me, let me pray in Jesus' name for, I pray in Jesus' name, God, for you to give me another mansion. Yet Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. He said, God, I pray that you would give me more good things, give me more money. And yet Jesus gave everything away. He didn't get, he gave. You see, when we pray in Jesus' name, we align our hearts to the will of Jesus. And when we pray in his name, we pray in Jesus' name, we pray like Jesus would pray. So when, when you find yourself downcast, downtrodden, as you're talking with God, ask yourself, is this the type of thing that Jesus would pray about or the type of thing that Bill would pray about? Only insert your name there. Don't ask, is it something I would pray about or anything? Is this something that Jesus would pray about, or is this something that I want to pray about? Sure, make your requests known to God. He wants to know your heart. But, but our, when our hearts are in line with God's will, when we pray in Jesus' name, of course God's going to work according to his will. So that's, uh, well, that's how we can live out this amazing promise. Jesus will do anything we ask, because it's according to his will, of course. It's in his name, of course. But, but as we find ourselves adrift, and this may be just great truth, but have you ever found yourself listening to a message like this, and you think to yourself, yeah, but you don't know how long I've been adrift. Like you don't know how discouraging it is to pray the same thing over and over and over again. I just, I, I just give up. I've stopped praying about that. Have you ever started for asking God for something and then just given up? Because when we are adrift, there's a real danger of actually finding ourselves feeling even more alone, disappointed. In fact, in survival stories uh, all around the world, people who have been at death's door there's two very real dangers. And no, it's not sharks and bears. <laughs> there's real hidden dangers, and there's two of them. There's passivity and hallucinations. Passivity and hallucinations. 
where you just kind of give up. There was a boat that stopped working in 1953 off the coast of the Seychelles. And then there were 74 people aboard. And of the 74 people aboard, uh, they were just stuck off the coast of the Seychelles. And you know what? The group just kind of gave up. They didn't fish anymore. They didn't collect any water. Rescue was so far, uh, so far gone hope. They had given up all hope, and so they just gave up all action. They gave up signaling for help. They gave up asking for help. And when they were finally rescued, there were two people left, unconscious and at death's door. Everyone else had just given up. Don't give up. Keep talking to God. God hears you and he is not far. Even when he feels like it, fight that feeling to give up. If God loves you enough to give his one and only son, know that he hears. Talk to God. In fact, if you are finding yourself struggling with passivity, maybe this prayer could be helpful. Now, this isn't a magic prayer. There's no magic words. The only way any of this works is because of Jesus. But maybe a prayer like this is helpful. Like, God, right now, I feel adrift in a sea of unknowns. No matter what happens, I ask that you work this out to bring you the most glory. God, I have many desires that I can even see how some of those you could be glorified in. But I know my motives motives aren't always pure. I can't trust myself fully, which is why I put my faith in Jesus. Have you ever asked for something and you think your motives are good? God, if I had a Ferrari, I would take so many people to church. Right? I actually had somebody praying for a, a huge, nice car. Like, oh, I would definitely take friends to church at least once a month. God. It's like, no, no, we have to realize our motives are mixed even. Like, like, even if we don't give up, even if we don't fall towards passivity, you remember the other danger? There's passivity and hallucinations, yeah, where we lose touch of reality. Some of you think your friend is right there anyway. <laughs> we lose ch- touch of, of reality. Uh, Jose, when he was adrift for 438 days uh, in the ocean, he hallucinated that he would wake up every day and all he wanted to eat was a tortilla and chicken. That's all he wanted to eat. So he hallucinated that he was eating t- tortilla and chicken. I don't know what he was living on. I do know that he lived off of turtle's blood and seagull skin. So he hallucinated that he was eating a tortilla and chicken. And so the same is true with us. We can feel so alone that we start losing our grip of what is really real. Not just the physical world, but God's reality. What's real to God. And that's why we have to listen to these two required recognitions. We have to listen to them because they ground us in reality. If we think Jesus promised, whatever you ask, I will do. Jesus said, so come on, God, you owe me that Ferrari. You owe me that thing. God, you said, you said. If we don't listen to these required recognitions, we simply live 
in a dream world, still adrift in our despair. So the first one that we want to recognize, the first required recognition here that kind of unlocks what Jesus is actually saying is that the foundation of this promise, the foundation of our request is faith. The foundation is faith, believing, trusting in Jesus. Look what Jesus says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am going. You know the way to the place where I am going. Do you, when Jesus was talking, he was talking about his death and his resurrection, and he came back to his disciples that he was speaking this to. He did come back. He came back to them. He says, don't worry, I'm coming back. Like a loving parent to a terrified preschooler starting KS1, uh, Jesus says, wait, I will be back. It's okay. I'm going to go get things ready for you. And then I'm coming back for you. For us here and now, we know that Jesus died and he came back. And we know that he is coming back again. Amen? Amen. And so we wait. Do you believe that he has prepared a place for you with the Father? Do you believe that he has prepared that place for you? No, that he has prepared a home for you, and you might be adrift right now, but know that there is a home prepared for you. And if you think that after traveling for a long time and getting back home into your bed feels so nice, just wait until Jesus comes back and you get to be in your heavenly home. That settles the heart. That unwinds the mind. Well, you might believe it, but Thomas didn't believe it. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Just send us a pin, okay, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus said, <laughs> no, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him. You do know him and have seen him. If you're trying to find God and he feels distant, the first question I would ask is, do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. Jesus is God himself. And he is also the only way to connect with God. It's only through Jesus' death and resurrection that we will ever be clean enough, that we will ever be honorable enough, that we can ever, with confidence, step into this relationship with our Heavenly Father. So that's why the, the foundation of this is faith in the person and work of Jesus. Do you believe he's the way? That's one thing to believe that there's a way to salvation, but that's actually lived out in everyday life. I remember one of the most remotest places I've ever been to is Lake Chelan. Now, Lake Chelan, the only way to, to hike this lake and to get into the mountains 
is to drive for hours into the middle of nowhere to get on a small boat, and the boat takes you two hours up the lake to the very tip of the lake, and then from there you hike. And the boat only comes at noon on Fridays. That's it. And so I, I took the boat, went out hiking with a friend of mine, and we were hiking day three. We were hiking so much that I broke a bone in my foot. And it hurt so badly. It hurt worse than the man flu, you guys. This was so bad. <laughs> it hurt so badly. The foot got all swollen. It, t- it turned black and blue and bruised. And it barely fit into my foot. And I was in the middle of nowhere. I, I-, I couldn't get myself out. There's no way I was going home. And every day for four days, I woke up. I grabbed the stick, stuck it in my mouth, bit down hard because it hurt, and I kept walking because I didn't know the way home. I didn't know the pathway, but I knew that that boat was my only chance. And every morning I would wake up in severe pain, swollen foot, and and through great pain, I would continue to trudge along because even though I couldn't see the boat, I knew that the boat was going to come. I knew that there would be a way home. The same is true, and, and I, you're going to ask me if I don't finish the story, so I'm going to finish the story. I didn't die, okay? I made it safely, all right? <laughs> Just saying. No, I knew at 11.45, I arrived right there, a, a couple of sticks that had been, che- uh, I chewed through them. And I saw at 11.45, the boat pulls up, and I hobble onto the boat and just flop there. <laughs> and I was unable to bring myself home. But the boat just took me home. And it was so relaxing. The same is true when we feel like God is far. God is not far. God is not far. He is near, and he has promised never to leave us or forsake us, and he has provided the the death and resurrection of his one and only son so that we know the way. So if you find yourself adrift in a sea of chaos, if you're asking, how can I be saved, know that Jesus is the way. If you're saying, how can I be sure I'm lost in a sea of doubt, know that he is the truth. And if you're wandering around the doldrums of everyday life, not satisfied, know that he is the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, which is why the foundation is Jesus and faith in the person and work of Jesus. Uh, Philip then speaks up after Thomas. Philip speaks up and says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus says, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? (laughs) Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You see, the foundation is faith in Jesus and his work, not mine. 
If you find yourself facing that medical news, you're saying, God, I can't get myself out of this. I know that you have saved me in the deepest way possible. You have saved my soul. God, I need you to provide for me. I don't know if you're going to provide a job for me, but I know you have provided everything for me through Jesus. Everything I could possibly need, you've provided for me. If you're wrestling with the seas of depression or anxiety uh, or asking questions of what's the meaning of life, if you find yourself wrestling with that, just know that if it were up to you, you have to force yourself to crawl out of bed every single day, copy and paste a smile onto your face, and put a projection out to the world that everything is okay. But if your faith is in Jesus, then it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be kind to yourself if you're having a bad day and to praise God for the good ones because it's not up to you to save yourself. Jesus has already done that. So our foundation is faith. That's a required recognition one. But it's one thing to have a a foundation that's faith. But I tell you what, if that boat that picked me up, uh, if if that boat didn't have any fuel in it, then it would just kind of sit there. You see, the foundation is faith, but the fuel of this prayer is God's glory. The fuel, what drives God, is God's glory, not our own desires. The fuel is God's glory. Just read with me in John 14, in verse 12. Just look at this. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that, and we we like that first part, I will do whatever you ask in my name. We're like, yes. Wait, so that. Everything hinges on this. This is the whole reason that Jesus can say, whatever you ask, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it so that God gets the glory, so that God's name is made great. God The answer to this prayer is fueled by God's glory. Look at Philippians 2. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if you're looking for a prayer that will be answered every time, then know that if you pray for God's glory within the will of Jesus, in Jesus' name, if you pray for God's glory, it'll get answered. When you face that medical diagnosis that that leaves you spinning topsy-turvy, Instead of praying, God, you have to heal me now because I say it. (laughs) Instead of you say, God, ultimately, I want your name to be made great in this. I want everyone to be able to see you, God. I'd like to be healed. I'd like to survive, or I'd like my family member to survive. Yes, that's the desire of my heart. But God, ultimately, I want you to be made great. 
A couple uh, months ago, someone came uh, to uh, the prayer team and they said, I just, I have a humble request. I, I just would really like to get my driver's license. And it might seem silly, but could you pray that I get my driver's license? And I said, no, no, you're new to Dubai. Sometimes in Dubai, when you take the test the first time, sometimes you get your driver's license. And sometimes you get it the second time. Sometimes you get it the third time. <laughs> and sometimes you get it the fourth time. And <laughs> I said, I would love to pray with you. And as we were praying, we were praying, God, for your glory, whatever brings you the most glory. It's our desire that he'd get a license, but God, whatever brings you the most glory. Uh, this morning at the nine o'clock service, he walks in and he doesn't say anything to me. This is months later. And he just shows me that silver's driver's license and he goes, we get to thank God for this. Let's do it. Let's pray. <laughs> for God's glory. It's all for God's glory. It's fueled by God's glory. So if you're searching for a job, if you're searching for provision, pray, God, would you be glorified in this? Would your name be made great? Instead of saying, God, I really want that promotion. People at the company don't recognize me. My boss is a jerk. And, and God, would you help them to see how great I am? Instead of praying that, we say, God, I just want them to see how great you are, even if they don't think I even exist. Instead of saying, God, You've got to answer this prayer for me. You owe me. Instead of saying that, we'd say, God, I owe you everything. Help me to live my life. Do anything you want to as long as more and more people get to see you and how great you are. Those are the prayers that God answers. Now, sure, we get our desires. We share our desires with our Heavenly Father. He loves to give good gifts. Absolutely. But when Jesus promises, whatever you ask, I will do, it's all for God's glory. It's fueled for God's glory. In fact, that's why we exist. We exist for God's glory. The more and more people wouldn't see us, but they would see the God who made us, the God who loved us. They would see Jesus who died for us. That they would see that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And they would say, you guys look like a whole bunch of stranded folks that have been adrift in the sea of sin and darkness and despair. But you got saved. Where's the rescue boat? And we say, we want to tell you about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. If you're right now facing a hard situation or you find yourself adrift and you're barely holding on, I want to pray what, that prayer that we talked about earlier. I want to pray that over us right now before we sing our closing song. Let's pray. God, right now we might feel adrift in a sea of unknowns. No matter what happens, we ask that you would work out our situations to bring you the most glory. God, we have many desires that even we can see how they, you could be glorified in them, but we know our motives aren't always pure. We can't trust ourselves fully. So that's why we put our trust in Jesus. Because of Jesus, humanity has a lifeboat home to you. May people see, Father, how holy, how loving, and how real you are. No matter how we feel right now, we know that we're not adrift in the unknown, but that we are safe, we are protected, and we're provided for in Jesus all 
for your glory, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name through the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing.